Chapter Seventeen of Limanora, The Island of Progress by Godfrey Swevin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My Education Continued, Part Two. In the medical, chemical, and elementary families, these senses were trained to a pitch that seemed to me marvelous. By either smell or taste, a member of these families could tell the constituent elements of any compound. A medical sage, if a man, could distinguish by the faint odor that marked each human body whether it was losing energy or expending it, making progress or decaying. If a woman, the sage, in order to make this decision, had as a rule to bring in the help of taste. For it had remained from the primitive animal stage of man's development one of the differentiating marks of sex that the male had more energy of smell, the female more energy of taste. Now that they had so spiritualized their senses, perfumes formed the quickest stimulus of the masculine imagination and flavors of the feminine. At the food vats it was always Limanoran women who superintended the flavoring of any compound, whilst it was the men who had most to do with medicating the atmospheres of the chambers, and men presided in the chemical laboratories. The historical origin of this distinction, they thought, was on the one hand the development of the acuteness of smell in male animals at rutting time, and on the other the power in dams of recognizing their own offspring by licking it with the tongue. And it was a well-known maxim in their medical families that every individual had a distinctive odor and taste. They could tell one man from another in the dark, and even at a considerable distance, and to touch him with the tongue was to make assurance doubly sure. The kissing that was so common in the West as a symbol of friendship and love, like the rubbing of noses amongst less civilized peoples, had as its origin and basis the recognition of the individual by the taste or smell. They did not need so close or material an investigation of the individual to have pleasant memories of friendship aroused. Their methods and symbols of companionship and love had become more and more spiritual with the passion itself. But, preternaturally acute through their senses seemed to me to be they would rely upon their decisions no more than the modern scientist of the west would rely upon his error they held was ever maiming the conclusions from reports of the senses and they took every precaution in recording or using their own perceptions accurate though their sense memory was they had instruments which kept a permanent record of any report of the senses they meant to use again. Not merely sounds and sights did they automatically record, but perfumes and flavors and electric impressions. Ages before, the inasan, or recorder of light, and the linasan, or recorder of sound, had been brought to a high pitch of perfection. All the colors and forms seen in nature, at whatever distance, could be kept in permanence on irelium plates and reproduced to the eye by the insertion of the plates in the inasan and the reversal of the instrument. So it was with sounds, however loud or faint. The linasan would tell out to the ear music or speeches recorded hundreds of years before down to the minutest tone. By a modification of these two instruments, 
they took record of the inner structure of things even at cosmic distances and of sounds which seemed to be intercepted by vast material obstructions the development of the recorders of the other senses had been more recent not till perfumes and taste and electricity had begun to enter largely into education and the stimulants of memory did the necessity for such instruments arise in the earlier times before the purgation of the race these instruments would have been a temptation to new and epicurean vices now they were nothing if not educational aids the ferrosan or aromograph enabled the gardeners to arrange the mnemonic harmonies of flowers as mere sense memory could never have done it could reproduce any subtle perfume or mixture of perfumes that had ever been experienced in the island the salosan or gustograph gave incalculable aid to the chemical and alimentary families without its permanencies of flavour they would have fallen into daily errors in mingling the atmospheres of the halls of sustenance and medication and those of illarime by its aid they could recall any of the tastes which had made substances or compounds pleasing to the palate but it was the idrasan or electrograph that was most needed for the furla or electric sense had been so recently developed that its reports as to the amount and quality of any electric impulse were most untrustworthy without the aid of this recorder they could never have compared the electric impulses of the past with those of the present nor could they have been so accurate in measuring the electric powers of various substances they knew that the basis of all scientific advance was accurate measurement their old measuring instruments had gradually been overtaken by their own senses and had to be replaced by others more and more refined in order to make sure that their senses introduced no personal element into the reports and representations of their various delicate measures they had invented an instrument which for fine adjustment surpassed all of these it was the aerolan or sensometer and by it the medical families in their weekly review of every system in the community were enabled to find the exact personal equation of each it recorded the upper and lower limit of the various sensations the limit of endurance and the vanishing point although there was a great evenness in the development of the senses in the community there was yet considerable variation in the delicacy of perception one man was keenest in sight another in hearing a third in the electric sense yet there was a certain constancy or proportion in all the senses of every man a proportion varying according to well ascertained laws within the hour and the season the man's age and the temperature and health of his body the aerolon tested measured and recorded the regular variations of each limanoran senses and thus he was able to know how far he judged accurately anything he perceived by its aid he was able to know the exact point at which he would need to call in any one of the various mechanical aids to the senses the magnifiers or modifiers or distance reducers by this means they were able to gauge the proper mixture of colors and proper size in architecture that would please at certain distances by its means too 
they could accurately measure the distance from which any electric or luminous or somniferous impulse had come when it struck on the senses it was one of the commonplaces of their policy that whatever could be done by machinery it was waste of skill and energy to do by human labor and thought and instruments were generally more exact and reliable than the senses and active powers of man however delicately developed and refined of course man's brain and hand must still guide and superintend all instruments and machinery but his interference with their automatic working was reduced to a minimum in order that the discount for personal equation should be as little as possible it was not however so much for the sake of accuracy of the result that the mechanism was substituted for human work as for the sake of progress every operation and function which could be performed mechanically it was a slur upon human dignity to do and at once limanoran humanity was relieved from the necessity and the freed energy was applied to other and nobler efforts towards progress during my education i had noticed again and again with surprise that mathematics took no part in it not once had i heard the subject mentioned by any of my guides or companions i remembered the important place it held in western curriculums and wondered how the various scientific families could manage their abstruse formulae and calculations without that science a people that laid so much stress on the exactitude of research as an essential of all scientific progress were surely lax to a degree in failing to train their youth in the various branches of mathematics on having my senses tested by the aerolan the thought came uppermost in my mind again and my proparents at last took notice of it perhaps as the time had arrived for enlightening me on the subject they led me to a vast museum-like building crammed with all kinds of small and intricate machines not unlike a kind of patent office where the models of new inventions are deposited for examination and comparison there was evident in the arrangement a careful classification according to elaboration and delicacy in the first section we entered there were the simplest of machines having a few levers and cogwheels and a few keys set in a keyboard these were meant for the easier rules of calculation addition subtraction multiplication and division we tested most of them and i saw that they were infallibly accurate never once even in the longest and most intricate calculation was there any error in fact these machines had been first invented to avoid the constant errors that vitiated important results when novices were set to work them out it was then found that not only did they rid calculations of fallibility and the youth of heartless drudgery but they enabled the race to advance more rapidly they set free years of life especially in the formative stage that had been wasted on mere routine and mechanical work and best of all they allowed the tissues of young brains to be less rigid it was noted that after the calculating machines were set to work the youth grew in mental and especially in imaginative power at twice the old rate the elders of the state were amazed at the result 
surprising as they had done the effect of arithmetic in the discipline and education of the young indeed it had been with great regret that they saw the youth relieved of so disciplinary an exercise and they even thought of making an exception to their usual utilitarian state principle and training the boys and girls in rapid calculation although it would be of so little use to them in their after-lives but a few years convinced them of the serious mistake they had made the pace of development so suddenly and greatly quickened in the new generation that the result could be set down to nothing else than the new freedom from calculations their own faculties and imagination seemed stiff and almost ossified compared to the ease and flexibility of those of their sons and daughters invention and discovery struck out with an unprecedented energy and the ethical and emotional phase of imagination grew at a marvellous pace new ideal realms were opened out for morality and practical thought the experience threw a remarkable light upon the phenomenon which had puzzled them for generations after the period of youth the members of the community had to specialize and for some undiscoverable reason those who devoted themselves to mathematics and the working of abstruse formulae had been found able though most of them were to be the most rigidly unreasonable in the community they refused to admit that they could be mistaken in any of their judgments or even opinions nothing would move them neither logical argument nor emotional appeal they assumed that they had found absolute truth and refused to have compromise in one generation in the far past the mathematical families had to be exiled so serious an obstruction had they become to progress again they had to be completely renewed children of the most noble-minded freest and most imaginative families being substituted for the old members and trained to fulfil their functions within a generation the result was the same these scions of the finest of the race became as narrow-minded and obstructive as their predecessors had been it seemed to be useless to change the stock and for some generations the community accepted their conservatism and obstinacy as inevitable they grew accustomed to smiling at the mathematical families as the omniscience why the true cause of this degeneracy had not occurred to such a shrewd and logical people it is hard to say probably because they were so wedded by long tradition and practice to the idea that mathematics was one of the loftiest of sciences and one of the most essential elements in education they doubtless refused to reconsider its claims or to abandon their inherited reference for it but the discovery of the effect of the calculative habit on the tissues of the brain at last forced them to face the true cause of the infallibility of these mathematical families it was their occupation that caused their degeneracy men began to pity them for the slavery in which they had been so long held and to devise means for their liberating the old habitual smile at the mention of their name became sadness at the thought of what these members of the race might have accomplished for its civilization had they not been so frozen in their tissues by the perpetual use of formulae 
they were amazed at their own dullness in failing to see that men who dealt in such mechanical methods and exact results could not but be mechanical themselves and easily fall into the fixed mental attitude of the omniscient and dealing with the world so unreal in its stiff skeleton-like outlines could not but fail in a world of conditions and compromises at first the prevailing idea was that all the studies and sciences needed exactitude of formulae and results should be neglected by the community one consideration it was felt that some of the most valuable stepping-stones to the loftier ideals of the future would be sacrificed if this were done the other alternative was chosen the inventors who had made the calculating machines were set on to find instruments which would accomplish what the mathematicians had had to do for the community and one after the other the years had produced them even differential and integral calculus had been superseded by a series of machines that with little guidance worked out all the applications of their intricate formulae to the sciences as we advanced from department to department we watched these machines at work confirming the imaginative results of the physicists the chemists and the astronomers the mathematical families were relieved of their duties and distributed and every member of the scientific families was taught to use these formulating instruments their brain energy was not monopolized by calculations the use of the machines was but a routine detail in their wider intellectual life and absorbed so little of their energy that it seemed to have no effect on their faculties i was not many days in mastering the details of the formula machines for i had paid some attention to mathematics in my buried life and the memory of the subject rapidly revived i soon came to see the wisdom of the limanorans in eliminating the study from their scheme of education it would have been the height of extravagance to waste long periods of their lives in studying and doing what a machine could do better it was exactly the kind of work best done by a machine for it had to do with a world rid of all conditions and mathematically speaking perfect the inventors were still busy making new and simpler machines for the use of the scientists and though they had to know the new mathematical formulae needed they busied their brains rather with their practical application and with the machinery that would use them it was imagination in the practice of mechanics rather than the mechanical use of methods and formulae that they were engaged on hence it was that they avoided the old unpracticality of the mathematical families and stood in no danger of thinking themselves infallible and the only treasuries of absolute truth one of the most interesting departments of minella as this great building was called was that which contained the measures of time i was somewhat surprised that this department should exist for i had admired every day the power the limanorans had of telling to a minute fraction the passage of time their sense of time seemed to me to make watches and clocks superfluous even when the sky was clouded over and no heavenly body or light to be perceived they could tell the exact fraction of the day or night that had passed 
as i tested again and again by the watch i had brought with me their knowledge of the natural signs of the time of day or year had become instinctive and automatic through long centuries of daily use the position and state of the petals of flowers would at any moment by day or night by shine or cloud reveal to them the time so would the temperature of anything they touched or if it were highly contractile its size but these external signs were quite unnecessary they had not to go beyond the sensations of their own bodies to tell the time or season they knew by the intensity of the magnetism in them by the acuteness of their senses by the amount of energy they could command but their experiments needed far more exactness than even their senses could afford time had to be counted in their science not by mere seconds but by the hundred thousandth or even the millionth part of a second one old-fashioned measure of time was based on the length of a wave of sound as it passed through a vessel of water the length of the vessel contained a round number of multas their smallest measure of length perhaps about the millionth part of an inch the vibration of the water reflected a bright light through a microscope and camera combined and a photograph of the pulsations imprinted itself on a strip of irelium that kept moving with lightning swiftness across the focus this strip was divided into minute sections each of them corresponding to a lenta or millionth part of a second and numbered in order up to a million a newer clock had its principle based on the length of a wave of light in a vacuum another and more convenient clock or rather watch consisted of an electric battery that kept a light irelium tongue vibrating this latter controlled a graduated mechanism which pointed out on a face the exact lenta in the time of day that it was it was small enough to be carried about on the person like a watch a similar microscopic minuteness of division appeared in all their weights and measures they could weigh in their balances down to the million millionth part of an ounce so with their measurement of heat and cold their thermometers could test ten thousand times the range of temperature that their senses could bear although their power of endurance of fire and frost was to me something miraculous their furnaces were able to volatize the most refractory of metals and earths they could reproduce the conditions of the most glowing suns and also the temperature of the oldest interstellar space which age by age they were bringing their frames gradually to bear with the aid of certain foods and combinations of elements thus did they hope in some future age to subsist even when they ventured outside of the atmosphere of the earth all their measures were based on the decimal system the fundamental unit for microscopic measurements being the amount of energy in an atom of one of their elements and that for the cosmic measurements the energy that would bring a beam of light from the sun's surface to the earth's they were able to see at a glance the exact amount of energy in any phenomenon to whatever sense it might appeal and in their minds there was ever a common measure for all types of force 
their electrometers and magnometers told not merely the amount of electricity or magnetism in any machine material or phenomenon but the motive power it would have when applied to any purpose they could compare at a glance without any elaborate calculations the advantages to be obtained from any substance when using it as a force whether through the electricity or the heat or the gravitational power to be obtained from it especially useful was this common measure in dealing with the power of light as separate from that of heat it was of great importance to them to know the exact amount of energy even in a beam of light which their eyes could not perceive for they used sunshine as one of their great curative agencies and the medical families were constantly experimenting on the effect of more or less light upon the microscopic life existing in and around the human body one of their own new developments had been the consciousness of light all over their skin they could tell with their eyes shut whether it was light of sun stars or moon or an artificial light which was falling on any part of their body the effect even on the mind differed completely in the fore the sunlight or at least a certain amount of it gave exhilaration or even joy the starshine brought contemplative melancholy the moonbeam mildly stirred the passions whilst artificial light varied in its power of exhausting brain and nerve energy with the material or element that produced it sunlight deprived of the intensity of its heat was to them one of the essentials of life its bactericidal power had been scientifically proved ages before and a family had been set apart for testing its effects both qualitatively and quantitatively it was not merely a loose knowledge that they had acquired of the antiseptic influence of sunshine they had measured exactly its power of depriving microbes of their deadliness in the case of every disease and they knew to a nicety how strong or weak it would be needed in order to check their ravages in any constitution whether concentrated on a spot or diluted and spread as in a bath how long daily its application would be required and how many days it was this family that superintended the sun baths in the halls of medication and assisted the medical sages in advising as to their use it was true that daylight and especially that of a sunny day swept one-third of the noxious life out of all water open to its influence whilst the rays of the sun bleached most bacteria from their pestiferous tendency yet used indiscriminately sunshine became itself unwholesome because of the other forms of energy besides light that it brought with it from the sun and the intervening spaces if not used with caution it would destroy the microscopic allies of human life in the body rendering feeble the phagocytes that devour the virulent microbes it would by its great heat injure the delicate tissues of the brain and by its magnetism and weight press heavily on the nerves and the circulation it was the duty of the solometric family to rid of it its unwholesome elements and to indicate the exact amount and use of it that would be beneficial in every state of the body another of the duties of this family was to cultivate colonies of microbes of the various diseases 
and make them harmless by means of sunlight for use in inoculations against their own unmodified bacterial kin one of their greatest aids in this process was the use of water of the sea whenever it did not kill the bacteria completely it emphasized the bleaching power of sunlight over them and rendered them allies of the human system in its struggle against all disease and decay this sterilization of disease was one of the most important functions of the family it was they who led the fight gambols of the limanorans into the outer fringe of the atmosphere where they might drink in the elixir of unadulterated sunshine their guidance and contrivances were needed even there in order to prevent the action of the other energies in the light growing deleterious even moonlight and starshine had their uses in the hands of this skilled family they could separate the deadly or poisonous elements of moonbeams to help them in destroying bacterial life and leave only their healthy and inspiring tendencies thus dealt with the rays of the moon gave a stimulus to the brain tissues which worked up imaginative materials and every star had in their science its own peculiar influence sometimes malign more commonly beneficial when treated according to their wise discoveries little of all this would have been possible without the inolan or measure of light one of the most delicate instruments they possessed this was but a modification of the human eye as it had been developed in their bodies it magnified the impression made on the lens so that it would move a small mirror delicately hung in vacuo the reflection of this mirror ran along a graduated scale on which it recorded by bleaching a point of color the energy of light in the beam producing the movement this recorded not merely the strength of the rays of which their eyes were conscious but that of many octaves of light outside the range of all human eyes a more modern and delicate form of the inolan used a microscope camera as the medium of measurement this had accomplished new wonders in the way of measuring the power of rays from stars out of reach of the human eye a third photometer recently invented still untested when i visited the collection of measurers had made use of electricity in collecting and testing the quality and energy of beams of light in all of these forms of the inolan there was an arrangement for reading each ray of its heat and other forms of energy before it entered the lens a thermometer measured the heat and the other elements were absorbed and analyzed by a subsidiary apparatus as the beam approached the inolan another modification of the apparatus had a prismatic arrangement attached to it not unlike the inamar and this broke up the beam of light into its color components the inolan measured each separate component the length of its wave and the energy required to produce it its camera also recorded in photographic form the metallic elements through which the beam had passed a more recent modification promising great results was one which by means of a vacuum lens recorded the dark beams that shone from unseen stellar bodies through the corona of our own or other suns when fully developed they expected this to reveal the secrets of the darker depths of the heavens 
the systems revolving round the stars would stand out clearly with all their elements for the investigation of the astronomic families nor did the extraordinary refinement of these instruments that were constantly being discovered interfere in any way with the development of limanoran senses on the contrary they stimulated advance every new aid to any sense pointed the way to its improvement and in a few years or generations this aid was rendered almost superfluous and a new and more delicate machine must be invented for the combination of so many functions in the living body rendered the observations of any one sense less exact and trustworthy than those of a machine which had but one purpose thus the evolution of the senses kept up an unending race with the evolution of fine machinery to aid them even the roughest most material and least specialized of all the senses touch had grown into something that was most delicate in its manipulation and one of the most important parts of the education of my senses was to refine and develop it they had specialized it to an astonishing degree the lips especially the outer edges of them were able to distinguish the latent energy in any substance applied to them whilst a delicate fringe of hair upon the upper lip too minute to be seen by ordinary eyes revealed to them the movements and character of gases and vapours that were so faint in their impulse as to be unrecognisable by the other senses the measurement of force had been raised to a high point of exactness in their huge chests and shoulders their hands within certain limits felt temperature with the accuracy and minuteness of a thermometer and the prehensile and manipulative skill of their fingers far surpassed that of the ablest european conjurer i had ever seen without any intention to outwit my senses they would do things with their hands so swiftly that i could not follow the movements it seemed to me at first as if they had more joints in their fingers than other human beings so nimble were they but this was not the case although the arm had greater scope of movement than mine in fact it seemed to move in the shoulder socket as in a universal joint so freely could it revolve in all directions their joints were really more padded with cartilage than mine so that there was more flexibility in the limbs along with greater firmness and strength their nerves were also more magnetic than those of other men conveying the messages to and from the brain and will centres with far more swiftness and certitude indeed if i were to find any one point in their systems which most differentiated them from european humanity it was this increased and accelerated nerve energy for a long time their rapidity and ease of movement and action bewildered me whilst i was deliberating what was to be done they had done all that was needed they had instruments for measuring the flash of thought from brain to hand and of sensation from hand to brain and when tested at first the swiftness of the message along my nerves was not one tithe of theirs but when my education had somewhat advanced this disparity was reduced by half this advance was accomplished not merely by practice but by variety of diet and medication and by living in a more magnetic atmosphere 
i was often borne aloft into the purer air that fringes the envelope of our earth and there half asleep i drew into my system the electric elements which were to the quickening of my nerves down in the island everything that would excite me was avoided the muscles and the other tissues of the body were exercised whilst the nerves completely rested then they would be given gentle exercise of their own to strengthen and make them supple without unduly stimulating them i soon began to feel the difference in the increasingly nimbleness of my limbs and could move with more celerity and ease the fingers were quicker to follow the eye i grew what my old companions would have thought unerring in my aim and would have made a deadly shot with bullet or arrow in the wars of my native country what was still better the tips of my fingers came to be powerfully magnetic both in their appreciation of the electricity in any body they touched and in actively producing magnetic currents i was even able to cause a faint flash in the darkness by concentrating my will-power in my fingers and waving them in the air postscript when he had reached this point in his narrative a striking instance of the result of his education occurred it was getting towards the end of winter and we had our rules of thumb for the changes in the weather were looking for the equinoctial gales that harbinger the approach of spring the days were lengthening and the light of the sun was growing clear and strong upon our high-perched huts we had noticed a certain distraction in his manner an absence of thought or of consciousness when he was describing the development of his magnetic sense and when he ceased for the night he could not rest but paced uneasily along our platform of cliff which overlooked the waters of the sound the moon had begun to wane and our weather lore bade us look out for storms at the beginning of her next phase i could not go myself to rest for thinking of his strange narrative and the wonderful people he had sojourned amongst i sat up many hours writing out what i could remember of his conversations and descriptions while it was still clear in my mind some time after midnight i looked out and saw the silver moonshine on the still waters below and was attracted by the beauty of the scene i had thought that he had retired but i had scarcely seated myself on a projecting boss of rock that took in one of our widest views when his musical voice startled me out of my reverie we fell into such sympathetic intercourse as the beauty of the night often stimulates in two sleepless spirits meeting under the moon he told me that the earth was then tremulous with suppressed passion and that far off in his old home in the pacific her heart was about to break he felt waves of magnetic feeling pass through him and they drew his soul back to limanora he knew that the spirits he loved there were yearning for him his heart quivered and throbbed with full memories of all he had known and experienced there was anguish in the magnetic undulance vibrating across his being it was not merely that a great storm was approaching that he had known for some days there were human pulsations in the ether which beat like an ocean upon his brain that was why he could not rest if only he could have his wings again he would try to respond to the call 
but it was useless with the recrudescence of his muddier humanity to attempt any return by such aerial means i offered to go with him on the morrow to the nearest city and charter a ship to carry us to his former home but he would not listen to my proposal and bade me seek rest and sleep i began to feel that i was intruding on the privacy of an agonized soul and i bade him good-night and left him to his own thoughts the exhaustion of overcharged emotion soon let me drift into troubled unconsciousness dream followed dream like hurrying clouds over the moon at dawn i woke in nightmare the hut was shaking i thought i was still dreaming but the swish of the rain and the lashing of the tree branches on the roof soon made me understand the calm of the night before had given way to tempest and the earth was suffering rupture i remembered the prediction of our guest and rushed to his hut he was not there nor could i conjecture whither he had gone i thought he had taken shelter in the bush from the storm three days it lasted and then we were able to go out and search the drenched forest we followed up every track that he had been accustomed to take we went to all his favorite haunts but no trace could we find of him though days were spent on the search then we forced our way through the dense undergrowth in several directions we had never seen him take and at last we came across a yawning chasm which had every appearance of being newly opened the precipitous side of the mountain had split and a vast landslip had swept down it and filled the bottom of the gulf we could not resist the natural conclusion this was the tomb of our guest after all his wanderings he had found appropriate resting place the earth he knew so well had taken him to her bosom end of chapter seventeen part two end of limanora book one